Hi, Amalia. You there? Hello. Yes. Hi. Hi. Okay. Well, let's begin. Oi. Hey there. Welcome back to my podcast. I am Camilla, your high vibe advocate. Give me 15 minutes and I will give you a high vibe world. Actually, today we may go beyond our regular 15 minutes because I have a very, very special guest with us, Amalia Sirica. Amalia is a holistic clinical social worker, yoga teacher, and social change artist. She received her undergraduate degree in psychology from Duke University and her master's in social work at NYU. She's also a gentle yet courageous soul who carries in her DNA a little piece of U.S. history. Amalia, it is such an honor and pleasure having you on my podcast, and thank you so much for taking the time here today sharing your powerful perspective with us. Thank you for so much for having me and for that beautiful introduction. I <laughs> know <laughs> it's it's the you know it's, it's actually not even enough, but <laughs> I've been here forever just introducing you for all the attributes and qualities you have. Um, You're so sweet. Well, you're the granddaughter of Judge John Sirica, Chief Judge of the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, who presided over the Watergate trials. And in February, you wrote this incredibly eye-opening and inspiring opinion piece for CNN about your grandfather and how his courage is what we need today. Can you tell us that story? Sure. So, yeah, so so the the important fact is that my grandfather passed away when I was 4. So, I have sort of gotten to know him as an adult through history, right? And I my and my dad is um <laughs> my dad is probably the most humble person you will ever meet. So, it just wasn't he didn't like really tell us, right? He didn't really, he, I, mean, I came home in eighth grade and I was like, dad, grandpa is in my social studies textbook. Like, do we need to have a conversation? Like what is happening? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it's too, it's like, from what I've heard about my grandfather, like it was very similar with him where he was, he, there was no hubris to his actions, right? There was, he was just like, this is the right thing to do. He, he basically, and I think anyone that's ever taken on a major system um, can speak to this probably, but at the time, you're not really applauded, Right? right. So it's not really about your ego <laughs> because, you know, he got, uh, and I wrote about this in the piece, but he got, you know, he got death threats and, and letters threatening his life. And he was definitely not a popular man for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, so I think it's been really, really interesting to, to, to learn about him as an adult and also to understand better my father who really raised us with like, there's no gray areas with morality. Like there's, there's right and there's wrong. There's not, you know, you, you do the right thing. Yes. And I think what really opened up my eyes about that at the time, I mean, you, you wrote in the piece, your grandfather was a Republican mm -hmm. and, and you know, he, this is going against, yep. it, it's just, it's very hard to do mm -hmm. the right thing. Many times it's very hard to do the right thing. Um, 
but he had that courage that we don't we don't see as much Mm-mm. in this administration mm-hmm. um we see it sometimes but not right. not as much as we need to um i uh, can't even imagine how hard it must have been for him and for your family at the time yeah and i think it's that's maybe another reason that my dad didn't speak about it a lot because i you know and now i've i'm a so i'm a clinical social worker and one of my areas that i've sort of gained an expertise in is 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 trauma, you know, I mean, I've worked in, in the field for about eight years now. And so I've just really, um, you know, life is very hard. And a lot of people experience a lot of hardship. And one of the side, one of the things that happens with trauma is that like, you're, you know, you sort of get through it, and then you don't want to relive it over and over again, you know, and so my dad being the oldest, um, and the only son, I think, it was probably really hard for him. You know, it was probably a really difficult time for him too. So I think he just doesn't like to discuss it that much, you know, and everyone else, everyone else can hear the story and look back with like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And like, he was so brave and absolutely all of that is true. But the whole other side to that is, is um, like you said, he was going against his own party and there was a lot of hate and a lot of criticism. And my dad describes like, you know, they, they were combing through his life with a fine tooth comb trying to find something to discredit him wow Mm -hmm. and i mean for those that don't know basically he signed over those subpoenas like to Mm -hmm. get those tapes yeah uh, which is what brought nixon down and Mm -hmm. that that was i mean it gives me chills (laughs) about that moment in which he's staring at those subpoenas before Mm -hmm. he signs them and he just has that conviction of uh, you know, my my role is to do the right thing. I, that is literally what I'm in charge of doing right now. Right. Um, it doesn't matter who appointed or how I got right. there or who is party. I'm neutral because I'm a I'm a chief judge. Right. So, um, and that's it. and I I will repost actually that CNN piece okay. uh, in my on and on Facebook and everywhere so that people that haven't had the chance to read it they will read it. But um, I also like what you just said because as Americans. We are living in such a polarized climate right now. And as a therapist, I'm sure you've seen this because you just mentioned it, but has the stress and anxiety associated with the circumstances that we're all living through been experienced by your patients? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's like everyone can't take a breath, right? So yeah. it's, it's literally, right? Because we're dealing with something that we're all having to wear masks and, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was, and depending on your, um, you know, your bra- background and your socioeconomic level and your employment and whether you can work from home, right? There's, so it's, it's hard because we're all in experiencing the same event, but we're not all in the same boat. Right. Yeah. And I think that's like a really important distinction because I've seen a lot of that going on on social media, like, oh, we're all in this together. And it's like, mm, <laughs> yes, yeah. but, but, <laughs> as a, but as a social worker specifically, because obviously there's a lot of different ways to, to become a therapist. And, and the reason I chose social work was because I specifically have like a um, like social justice lens, right, which is like, this isn't really fair that some folks have excess right and some folks have like absolutely nothing um and so for me I think that people are everyone's experiencing this differently um but certainly everyone is struggling and what's the impact like 
in in their lives the people that are struggling mm-hmm. i mean i think that a lot of times when you are in a position of privilege where you do have you know, the ability to work from home or you know you have a roof over your head mm-hmm. not in a crowded space because right. there's so many little nuances like we have access to social media and netflix not everybody has access to distractions right. and space and, and and you know what is it like when you don't have that or from what you've seen if you've seen that so far um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that most of my clients have access to most of those things. Um, so then for me, it becomes, uh, you know, always making sure that I'm, I'm making sure that I'm getting other experiences, whether that's just following people on social media that I wouldn't initially think I have things in common with, right, but have very, very important stories to tell and making sure that I'm listening to everybody's perspective so that I can have like a fully informed um, perspective. Because I think what I'm seeing a lot right now is just like a lack of empathy and understanding. Um, Oh, yeah, it's true. (laughs) So it's just, it's uh, people are having a very hard time um, putting themselves in other people's shoes and understanding why someone might be responding or needing to respond the way that they are. Well, I feel like you've very, very eloquently and gently been a voice of reason throughout the whole, the racial tensions that we have been seeing in our nation recently. And I especially like your perspective as a white woman and also as a social worker who works with people of all races and backgrounds. But well, first, let me ask you, do you believe that systemic racism exists in our country? Yes, ma'am. And can you shed some light regarding the impact and consequences that you have seen or, you know, even just from following other people on social media? And, and because I guess not just because you're a social worker, because obviously all that training does help you have this perspective. But like you said, just being able to like actually taking the time and following people, watching people, mm-hmm. listening you know, active listening Mm -hmm. to people. Um, How has the systemic racism impacted the lives of African-Americans and communities of color from what you see? Oh boy. I mean, I think that um, like I, and I, you and I chatted a little bit about this before. I would so, I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage everyone listening to go learn from black people. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think one of the things that's been one of the things that's been a really big issue has been like there's this thing called like and which is honestly very common in social work. um, But there's this thing where it's like, okay, well, nobody's going to listen to them. So I'm just going to speak for them. Right. And so it's this idea of as white folks with privilege. Right. Like. it's like we're it's like we are um a mechanism to like amplify right as opposed to speaking ourselves so when I speak I speak from my lane right and my lane is I'm a white woman right and I'm a therapist right and like those are my lived experiences um and so I would encourage everyone to go listen to black people about their experiences with systemic racism, because you will, uh, there's like not another way to describe this. Like your whole, (laughs) your, everything is going to be like, 
your mind will be blown, right? Like you'll just yeah. be like, oh my God, we have literally been living in two different Americas. Yeah. It, that it's, it's, it's super intense. It's and it's you also because you mentioned that nobody likes discomfort. No. And that's and that speaking <laughs> of racism and speaking yes. of biases and speaking of white privilege is really uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. But do you have suggestions on how we can work through that, how we can get comfortable with discomfort mm-hmm. so that we can find a solution for these problems? Yeah, I mean, I was just <laughs> writing this morning about, I think it's really, really important. And I think it's great that people, are, I mean, like you look at the New York Times bestseller list right now, and it's com- it's completely populated with books that are about race written by by largely I think mostly black women specifically. And that's incredible. You know, like that's like, that is incredible. But what I keep trying to tell people is like, there are things and like, absolutely you should be supporting, you know, like you should be reading and learning from, from black people and like listening to their lived experiences and paying, um, you know, there's this, this conversation coming up around like anti-racism work right now, which is like, we've all, we all had sort of been taught that we, it was just an, as white people, it was enough to just be like, not racist ourselves, right? And like work yeah. to like, you know, and and now the conversation is coming up, it's shifting into actually no, like all of us have to take like an active stance against it and like, and like help to dismantle these systems that we're very much a part of. Um, so I think that the books are amazing and like absolutely like, good Lord, we don't have enough there's there's definitely it's not definitely like black people in this generation are not going to be paid back what they're owed right so like there's not enough like keep keep like supporting 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 because good good lord knows that they deserve it but um there's like a secondary part which is like this is not a completely intellectual experience right like this has to be like i was thinking this morning about um emotional like emotional regulation right and so what you just asked me about the discomfort right is like okay so that's um the self-awareness is ooh, like I feel discomfort right now like that thing that person just said made me feel uncomfortable right so like let me just notice that right and then after the after the self-awareness comes like the emotional intelligence which is like I think I'm uncomfortable because they just said something that like deeply deeply challenges my views I have of myself or of the world right like on like a really deep level and that's really uncomfortable so that's the emotional intelligence and then following that is the impulse control right because when we're uncomfortable our first instinct is like oh get this out right I don't want to feel this and that's when you'll see people yelling at each other or getting defensive or yes. like the, right so, so many defensive people so, out so <laughs> so defensive and so I think like it's it's hard because it has to the anti-racism work is essential but it has to come with emotional work also because otherwise it it doesn't completely integrate if that makes sense it makes sense and you said something once um that I love which is you said that shame keeps us silent mm-hmm. and silence mm-hmm. keeps us sick oh, yeah. I absolutely love that um, can you elaborate on that thought and explain in detail what you mean by that? Sure. So that that comes from a lot of time doing trauma work with my clients and also my own healing work, like my own inner work, which is that like, th- I always say all the time in like therapy, 90% of why therapy is effective is the relationship. So you are coming to me 
and you know it's going to be a safe space and you are sharing stuff that you that that brings really like most of my clients like there's a lot of there is a lot of shame you know and mm-hmm. so the shame keeps them silent right because they don't want to they don't want to talk about it they don't want anyone to know and then we see this a lot in particular honestly with like um with like sexual abuse and sexual oh, yeah. assault you know and they, they blame themselves they blame they themselves don't want right and like and or someone else told them it was their fault right you know and yeah. um so that and then the, the silence makes us sick right because we're just literally just and that's where we see depression and anxiety and like all this other stuff and so this to me like I, extrapolating that to like this country right like we have a very shameful yeah. and and it's not and it's and there's a thing like and I saw I know you'll under I saw this oh my god I'll try to find it to send it to you I saw this post by a Brazilian woman and I was like oh she basically was like oh so now we can say Black Lives Matter because it's happening in the United States right but he <laughs> but here Right. Like, and so we, and we don't need to go into the whole history. I mean, people can look up what goes on in Brazil. You and I both know, but, but, but the point is like the United States is leading the charge in this, but every single country in the world has a shameful is built, was really built on like oppression and hate. Yeah. And that's really, that's really, it's really uncomfortable and painful to look at that. Absolutely. You know, some people, they're just, they're afraid of being labeled racist. hundred uh, percent. If they speak up about their contributions in whatever level it is, right. you know, sometimes it's our fears because the thing about systemic racism is that we, like you said before, we are living in two different worlds, whether right. it's in this country or any country, there is that, you know, that almost like a caste system. There's like a, a different yeah. world and we the part of the systemic racism is the 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 fears we're fed that yes. there are based on misconceptions yes there, and uh, and we are so afraid to open up about those yes. fears and then we don't address them because we yep. don't fix the root cause of the problem so yep. and that's what i find is that if we don't open up and we don't speak openly about our perspectives and when right. people are shamed for their feelings the result mm-hmm. is stagnation and we basically don't evolve because in my mind, if we aren't uncomfortable, we're not evolving. A hundred percent. And yeah, I was going to ask you, do you agree with that? You know, it's, is that something you've noticed also? Yeah. I mean, my, my, um, and this is like, maybe this needs to be talked about more. Maybe I need to make a video on this. Like I, uh, evolution is always preceded by great pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. Always. I've never seen it happen any other way, right? And yeah. even if you think about, like, people keep saying, like, the, the birth process, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, you speak <laughs> to, like, any mother ever. She's like, oh, yeah. Like, but why do, but why do people have two, three, four kids, right? Because the, what's, what's on the other side of that is, like, oh, my God, you're, this, is the, this little being is the love of my life, right? Yeah. And, and so I think we all have to remember. And I keep – this is what I – I keep trying to, like – so I'll share this with you because I feel like you'll understand. I, I get, um, since I was a little kid, I've always been a dreamer, right? Like I, I, they would, my parents would come into the room and I'd just be like in the corner, like telling stories, my Barbies, you know, like I've always just had a very vivid imagination. And one of, I, I can, <laughs> I can see the world 
if we heal this stuff, right? Like I really like when I get quiet, I can see it. Yeah. And um, so for me, when people are like, I feel like sometimes people are like, oh my God, like what, why is she saying that? And like, you know, and, and my response to that is like, cause I know this is the way to that. And if we're only, if we're only in like, Ooh, but this is going to be painful and uncomfortable, right? Like we're never going to, we're gonna, never going to take action. But if we can all talk about like, we're doing this to create a more beautiful and just world. And so like, whatever we feel in the moment is okay. Cause it's in pursuit of that. Yes. And if we can dream and if we can imagine it, then it's possible because everything totally. starts within, you know, that's how it all begins. Um, and one thing that I admire most about your posts is the kind and gentle way <laughs> with which you speak to both sides because <laughs> you are understanding and you're validating of people's feelings, but yet you're able to correct their misconceptions. And I feel the more people need to do that and, um, and feel comfortable addressing issues in the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. How can we all be more like you so that we can foster <laughs> an environment of open communication and progress instead of the same old us versus them? Because people, like you said, they get defensive and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, we don't go anywhere. So, but I don't know how to explain. People would have to read your post to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> because you are, I mean, it's like, I guess, because you're a therapist, but also just the mm-hmm. person that you are. You're just so kind people that no, like sometimes you get so ang- like when I'm when I'm like listening to some of these defensive people I get angry I know I know so how do you know. manage this center oh. you're so centered oh god well first of all first of all I really feel like I really feel like I need to start with this is that you <laughs> if you if anyone could have seen me at certain points in the last month right like that would not that so I just want to say that like I again going back to what I was just saying about emotional regulation I have a lot of emotional regulation tools right um so most of my freakouts and breakdowns have happened privately and like with very close friends but but I am experiencing all of those things that other people are experiencing, but they're doing it publicly. And it's the only difference is, is the impulse control seriously, because I have had all of those emotions. I have had defensiveness. I have had anger. I have had like, why do I have to be the one to do this? Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like I didn't, I like these systems were created by, by, but the bottom line and like this and, and through all of that inner work I've had to do, I have come to the conclusion of like, okay, like it actually doesn't really matter why, right? Like I'm here in this moment for a reason and for whatever reason, our ancestors didn't, didn't do this. Right. And so it's like what I say to my clients who are, uh, I speak a lot about, um, breaking generational trauma cycles it's like one of my it's both of my parents did it so it's like very I'm very passionate about it and it's a very brave and hard thing to do and so I really I really love to support the people that are doing it because they often don't have the support from their own families um and so I keep saying to people I'm like this is that right like yeah like we are we're being asked to break really really toxic cycles um and yeah, it's not a picnic in the park. Like it's going to be, it's going to be really hard. And so when I, I think what you got, what you're seeing in my post is that the second I separate myself, right. The second I other someone, I, I, I'm, I'm lost. Right. But, 
but those people that are defensive and angry and like they're me and I'm them you know and it's in that that like that just like continually trying to come back to compassion like I keep trying to tell people that like I just had this I had this crazy realization last week when someone posted that Ruby Bridges who was the first um African-American child to attend a white elementary school in the south was is 65 years old oh my gosh oh my god my, my dad is 67 yeah. you know so then he and I sat down and had a conversation about what that was like and I'd never thought to talk because this is a tool of white white supremacy does this thing one of the ways it 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 retains its its grip on all of us is that it acts like this stuff is ancient history right right? yesterday basically it was yesterday and so this idea of just room and like you know compassion has limits if someone's being violent or dangerous like obviously this that's not what i'm talking about but being able to sit and think about a child right growing up in that era and what they must have been taught yeah Right. And so like, it's time for people to, to, it's time for people to, to unlearn that stuff. But if we can, if we can hold, almost hold that holding really for me, seeing people as children helps me a lot. <laughs> yeah. But we are all children. And we are all children. If you think about when it's something new, right. Trying to yes. unlearn behavior. Yes. yes. It's the same thing mm-hmm. as children. Because when children come into the world, they're like little aliens and you're just dying. 100%. And 100%. We're the, right now, through all of this, we're all aliens. We inherited trauma that we're trying to yeah. figure out how to fix. Nobody knows how. So we're working through this together. And compassion yes. definitely is like a huge component of that. It's essential. It's we're not going to. Well, we we are. Uh, and, and that's and that I want to be clear about that. Like I'm talking about white people with other white people right now oh like yeah. that I want to I, I figure I just want to name that because I don't want any and if you have any listeners that are listening that are black I don't want them thinking I'm being like you need to be more compassionate because right. that's, <laughs> that's actually been a huge issue I've seen is that people are expecting more compassion from black folks right now and I've been trying to explain that like they're the victim <laughs> and also like and like not e- like more so even just like that they're they're very much in active trauma right now yeah. like they're just trying to keep their heads above water right so it's it's not it's not their responsibility now that all of us have like woken up yeah. right to on top of dealing with everything they're already dealing with to like hold our hands and make us feel better I know, seriously. I, it's, it's funny, but you know what it is too, though? And I saw somebody post this the other day about the in, understanding, because whenever we, because words have, they have meaning, they have, they have totally. weight, right? So when we say like white privilege, I think people get defensive because they automatically think that we're saying they don't have struggles or that they're oh, yeah, all yeah, rich yeah. and powerful and have such access. a mess. It's, and it's not it. It's just, it's very simple. It's just the fact that you're not being judged, like the color yes. of your skin doesn't yes. create an extra obstacle for you Ex- exactly exactly and that's like why I made that video the other day of of um like empathy uh, yeah. trauma blocks empathy empathy because I was trying to explain to people that you know if you're feeling it's just it's that's what's hard about what's going on right now is it's just like it's it's just yeah everyone it's it's um nobody is saying that other people haven't struggled or had a hard time of course right but like exactly like you just said you haven't struggled because of your skin color right and that's a very different thing yeah it's a it, all the immutable traits that you know like being a woman for example I mean we've been mm-hmm. always facing 
since the beginning of, of time and people don't understand it because it's it's hard to we're not saying that men don't have it hard or that they you know it's just it's a very interesting thing it's like with black lives matter the actual sentence that people come back with all lives matter as if we're saying that only black lives matter <laughs> but it's black lives matter too you guys just don't you know it, 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 like we're not seeing how how it hasn't been that way um and that's why we have to say it it sucks that we even have to say it it sucks that we even have to say it that's like and that's I think I think what I need what like what it's just it's this idea of yeah exactly like you just but it's I keep trying to explain to people I'm like that isn't that's not an appropriate response right right like this is what my video was about it's also not appropriate for like we as a as a world have a problem with just like hearing people and being like oh Mm -hmm. yeah wow that does sound really hard I'm so sorry you had to go through that Mm -hmm. and that's what I think like when you ask me how can we be I mean I I'm I'm a naturally empathetic person like almost to my detriment sometimes I've had to actually do a lot of work around like boundaries and like self-care because I'll just like give everything um give everything out and then have nothing left for myself so that's been my work has been more around that but when um just like as a therapist someone comes into my office and tells me their life story and I don't go "Mm, I don't know (laughs) right like it's just that's just like so for me for me when people ask why it's been easy for me to understand, I'm like, because if someone tells me their life story, I believe them. Yeah, you, exactly. We have no reason not to. That's the thing. No it, reason not to. But you know what's funny? It's kind of like even in a basic level. You know how sometimes when we're very anxious people, a lot of people mm-hmm. have anxiety. And when you go into a room like networking event, you, you are so focused on answering what your name is that you don't listen what the person's name right. is during an introduction. It's kind of like that. Right. What I'm seeing, it's like a, basically that's a microcosmos, but I'm, you know, and, and with the no, totally. matter of movement, it's a, it's a situation where they're saying all these things and then the, the white community is like, well, but, but what about me? <laughs> you know, what about the, this is, are you isolating me? There's this fear like of, oh, what about me? You know, and, and, I, and, and I, I need to remember myself, my piece. <laughs> which is really interesting to me. And um, it's also like this, the, the a consequence of, of like, you know, my mom works with indigenous communities all over the world. And so like in Brazil and Ecuador, like anywhere where there's a big, big, uh, where there's a big rainforest. Right. And like, they just work as a unit. Yeah. Right. Like, the, the, and so this is also like this weird American obsession with individualism there is and with like and with like me 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 you know when like what we're all what we're all trying to work towards right now is what's good for the collective and so right now the individual shit is getting in the way of of us like showing up for each other in community and that is what like I keep trying to be but that's a really hard thing to explain to people (laughs) yeah it's true and you know I feel whenever I'm speaking with and and listening actively actively listening to all of my my friends of color, all the communities of color that I come across, they are exhausted. Yes. It's exhausting. Yes. And it takes such a toll mentally. Imagine like people don't understand what it's like if you, if you, they haven't gone through that experience. They don't understand what it's like to have to live your whole life with the all the problems that we all have as human beings. Just like, on top of. And then having on top of that being afraid of things you shouldn't yes. have to be afraid of. Yes. 
So it's, yeah. it's, and that's so, that really needs to be addressed. And I think um, there needs to be a, a lot more open communication and a lot more yeah. listening. And I think, well, that's the, that's the problem is there's a lot of open communication and there and not a lot of listening. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and that's, and it's just like, this is to me, that's the problem is because people are listening, like ready to defend themselves. Right, right. Right. Instead of like, instead of like listening with humility and like you, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Again, I'm going to go back to a lot of this work is emotional. Yeah. And, and people can't just like, you can't just like read, you know, you can't, there's, there's nothing you can read in a book, right? Like this, a lot of this work is like, I have to figure out where this defensiveness is coming from. I have to look inside myself and figure out like why I'm feeling this way. Yep. No, it's, I, and I had, I had posted about that, the idea of like the inner struggle. Why do we struggle with listening? Why do we struggle Mm -hmm. with accepting that it doesn't mean that we are completely to blame, but we need to recognize our own subjective biases where mm-hmm. we are each because we are all contributing in some way or another to the, you know, the, the pervasiveness of this systemic racism, mm-hmm. not just in policing. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's Education. Yeah, healthcare. I mean, healthcare. It's literally everywhere. And if that doesn't change, we're going to have a lot of problems in the future. It's just going to continue to grow because the population's growing. Um, it's, like, it's just not good for it's also what I keep trying to explain to people too I'm like it's not good for anyone no, it's, not. it's not good for our hearts it's not good for our souls human beings are meant to be connected yep. you know and unified and in community and like loving you know and I and and I and so like you know I've been doing this work I've been a therapist for a long time and I struggle because for me, when people come in with anxiety and depression, my first thought is I'm like, this isn't even a diagnosis. This is literally the product of living in a world that isn't designed for human beings. Yeah. Yeah. And we have so much more in common. You know, we're so mm-hmm. much more alike than we're different. And yeah. I feel like the moment you start to see yourself in another person, that whole, yes. the actual definition of namaste, like if you recognize <laughs> like the soul, that you're one soul just separated by a physical body, but mm-hmm. I think that that can change so much in a perspective, you know, seeing the other person as yourself. I absolutely agree. And I think, but I think, bef- and I think before we get there, which is the part everybody's trying to skip, which is when you hear people talking about like spiritual bypassing, this is what they're talking about, right? Is like, we just want to go to that part. Like, right? Yeah. We just want to go to the part. <laughs> like, it's like, we just, and, and like, trust me, that's the world I see. So I want to go there too, right? However, that's skipping over this whole like amend, reparations, atonement, yeah. icky part, right? Where like, we have to sort of, sort of admit and and apologize and like all these things that are are like an absolutely essential part of healing for like both parties right so what I would say to what I would say to my fellow like yogis like lovers of like you know all things spiritual which like same is that like this this is part of the spiritual process yeah yeah it's 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 a very important and it's also the only way it's the bridge it's the bridge. You have to walk. That it's really, the bridge. Really scary, kind of wobbly. Sometimes <laughs> there's missing pieces to get to the other side. Yeah, um, that's so true. That's such a good metaphor. And do you think there is light at the end of the tunnel? Like, in other words, do you think that as a society, we will be able to be less polarized in our lifetime? I think that. 
I have to believe that because on the days where I lose that hope, I'm, it's bad. Like I get sort of paralyzed and just like unable to really do anything. Cause it feels so, it feels like hopeless, you know? Um, yes. And, and you know why? Because I, I don't know if you heard the other day, like that Northport had a vigil. A vigil. Yes. And that for me, I went there and I was like, I felt very emotional because I, you know, I grew up here in a house where like, I think, you know, I think we've talked about this obviously because because of the Portuguese, but like my mom didn't grow up here. She grew up in Portugal and Brazil and Africa and sort of all over the place. And so it was a very funny experience because our house was one way. Right. And then we would like go out into Northport and it would be like, you know, and I love Northport. Like I really, truly do. But, and it's, and these are some of the most like loving, open-hearted people I know which is one of the things that gives me hope, right? Because even, even my, even folks here who, who like have, may have never had even had like an intimate relationship with a black person or a person of color, just because of like the way we grew up. Um, And like just seeing how, and, and the young people too, give me a lot of hope, like a lot of hope. And so it was totally, it was organized by high school students and it was just like, and it was not, um, woo woo like they were talking about police brutality they were talking it was like very it was it was very well done and also like that our town like the town police officers were um there was like a extremist group that was like causing problems and the police were like we don't need you to come we're good you know yeah. and sort of shut that t- anyway I just so so things like I that, didn't know right? that like, wow we that did, that's really incredible because I I thought it was just this quiet you know everyone just sat around thing like a moment of silence kind of thing because I, I couldn't go because I had a, a conference call at six and then I was watching something at seven from a friend who was doing his last stream um, he's a musician and I didn't want to miss that but I really wanted to have been there and I saw just pictures and it seemed so mm-hmm. just peaceful just kind of quiet but it's amazing to know that they're you know they're actually were our police officers were actually stopping some of the mayhem from happening. Yeah, and it's like it was very peaceful, but it was also very real, you know? Yeah. And I was just and it just so you know, I um and people tease me for this a little bit, but like I believe that people are good. And that's, and that has been, that has been my guiding principle for as long as I can remember. And so I just, and like, I think that's, I think I get that from my grandfather too, which is just like he, and then he continued, you know, he continued to vote for Republicans for the rest of his life. It wasn't about the party, right? Like it was, it was about what's right. And that's like the message I want everybody to hear right now is like, we are, we are, we are living in history right now. Right. And like, so do you think that like, People, my grandfather wasn't popular. Do you think the white folks that joined the civil rights movement were popular? Right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. So, so this is so this is like we're also so our you know living in our social media land. Right. We're so used to things needing to be like rewarded. Right. And so, like, what I'll say to everybody is like this: the reward is like your soul. The reward is like your humanity. Yeah. It, that feeling of doing the right thing is also priceless. And I, I, I completely agree with you. And I can see so much um, of what you're saying with your grandfather, too, because 
in my circle of friends, it's also true that, you know, I, I have obviously a lot of police officer friends and yeah. family members. And they sometimes when we're speaking about these really difficult issues, there's so much fear also among them that you yes. start to notice that they are they start looking at you differently, thinking as if you don't love them anymore. You don't respect yes. them anymore. And it has nothing to do with that. It's in no. the contrary. I want them also to not have to fear for their lives because yeah. of conflict and because of things that shouldn't even be there. You know, um, it's it's interesting how sometimes when we have to, to go a little bit against, not against, but just a, a little step outside our comfort zone, like we were talking yeah. about. It can it can be scary, but it also is so freeing. Yeah. Um, because you do start to feel like you've evolved. Uh, I yeah. had my own personal demons that I had to overcome, that I had to acknowledge, and, mm-hmm. and I had to learn to listen. And now I feel like I'm an activist in a way. And a lot of people that <laughs> I know well keep telling me, why do you keep, you know, talking know. about topics that are so trivial? And I said, this isn't trivial to me. This is necessary. No. um so yes i think that you're absolutely right that people are good they just have to remember that you know sometimes we forget sometimes we get stuck in our ways so how do you think we're gonna get there um (laughs) how are we gonna get to that less polarized society i think it's gonna be really messy and i think people have to get comfortable with that right and like and because also um this sort of like perfectionism stuff that we've all again which is another sort of like American ideal um there's no room for it here right like every time I post something I'm like hopefully this is fine yeah (laughs) because (laughs) because because like you know and 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 thus far it's been it's been great and I'm always I'm always um I'm always grateful that I did but I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Like, and I think that's like a really important message is like, I'm not, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd, right? Like I'm a student. And so I would, I would much prefer to like not talk and just like learn. Right. And like, wait until this is what my brain goes, wait until I'm, I'm, I'm more prepared. Right. Right. (laughs) Because that's my personality. And so, like, what I'll say to everybody is, like, we're never going to, like, there's no perfect here. There's no gold stars. There's no, like, A plus, right? Um, there's just, like, learn, do better, make mistakes, learn, do better, make mistakes, learn, do better, make, right? And that's very disconcerting for a lot of us because we have not been, we have not been taught that way. So, but that is the therapeutic process. A hundred percent. Right. And my clients will be like, Oh, like Amalia, like I got really stressed out and like I drank and I'll be like, all right, like let's talk about, (laughs) right. I'll be like, let's again with the shame. Right. Yep. And like, be like, all right, well like, let's talk about how you were feeling before you drank and like, let's see if we can figure out like what the triggers were. Right. And, and if we can just approach this like that, which I understand is really hard, but if we could just approach this like that, like, oh, shit, I made a mistake. Someone called me out. Like, that really sucked. I feel embarrassed and ashamed. Like, let me go talk to someone about it. Let me talk it through. Let me learn from my mistake. Let me come back and apologize. Let me do what I need to do, you know? But that's how we get through this, with with humility and honesty. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I also agree with you because I know what you were saying about being a student and wanting to wait until we, <laughs> we know for, for a fact that nobody's going to get offended and we're not saying anything that, wrong. But yeah, we're all students, but we're also all teachers. And it's so true. And the moment we understand that there is such a thing as the power of one. Yeah. Because one plus one is two and just keeps multiplying. And if each person speaks out about their experiences also and their contributions to a problem and how they, they can get to the solution. Um, right. It's, it's right. really important to learn from our mistakes. And I think that's really important. I actually, so funny. I thought that the other day, like that it's possible to be both a student and a teacher at the same time, in fact. And so that's like been, because for me, I'm very much a student in the space of, of, you know, systemic racism and anti-racism work, right? Like I am no, I, you know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, like, and I keep saying pay them because, um, Black people in this country have been doing like free labor for a really long time, you know, essentially in the terms of like their, their, their intellectual property has been, has been stolen quite frequently and like all this other stuff. Like, again, not, not the one to speak about this. You guys, people could, can go learn more from the folks who it happened to. But, um, but my point is that, but then I'm, I'm a teacher in the space of like folks that might just be starting to come to these realizations right so for me it's been that very delicate balance of like okay now I'm humble and I'm listening right and like okay like now it's okay to speak yeah I can say that not just right here right now today but just since I've known you you've definitely been a teacher to me and I want to thank you for that Uh, and I thank everybody that shares all of their their perspectives um especially my my friends who are in the african-american community who are feeling more comfortable speaking out um Mm -hmm. because for them it's also difficult especially if they are within a white community if yeah they're so so overwhelmingly um and they there's that whole feeling that sense of belonging you want to belong and you of course so i i really appreciate uh the bravery that same bravery yeah. that your grandfather had and that you have. Thank you. Um, and um, well, I want to also thank you for taking the time to join me today. I know we could. <laughs> but, <laughs> <Thank you>. um, <laughs> we'll give people it's... a break. I <laughs> uh, know. No, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to call you my friend, Amalia. Oh, thank you, my love. <laughs> and it's so nice to, I mean, I was just like, you know, my mom and I always joke that people, always find you at the right time and then just like having the Portuguese in common I was like oh yeah this is this is amazing <laughs> I know it was in, in yeah, Charlotte you know, she was the bridge for us you yes know? she was <laughs> so this is really great so thank you so much um and thank you so much for having me this was wonderful no it really was thank you and that is all we have for today thank you for being with me and for listening to me and for being a part of my journey I am Camilla, your High Vibe Advocate. Looking forward to your outreach at highvibeadvocate.com and your follow on Instagram at highvibeadvocate. And as always, looking forward to our next meeting right here on my channel. See you next Wednesday.